Let us pray. O oh God, who knows the number of the stars, O oh God, who knows every hair upon our head, God, who knows our hearts, thank you for meeting with us in this time. Thank you for your presence, which is promised and now experienced in this moment. Come meet us, God, in the reading of the scriptures. Come meet us in the connection of the church all throughout the world. Come meet us in the Spirit's unity. Help us, God. We are a people who are in desperate need of help. And you tell us that you are our ever-present help in times of trouble. So come, Lord, speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It is great to welcome you to Providence Church worship at this time. My name's Jacob Armstrong. I'm one of the pastors here, and we continue on in a study of the book of Philippians. Uh, if you are new to opening up the Bible, the book of Philippians is towards the end of the Bible in what's called the New Testament, and it's actually a letter, a letter that was written by Paul to a church in an ancient city called Philippi. Uh, this church was most likely not like the churches we have today, but probably a group of people uh, meeting in a home or maybe a group of homes. Paul was their pastor, and he was writing to them. We pick back up in chapter 3 today, verse 15, that says, All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. If you're like me, you might read this and think, I'm out, right? Uh, if you're not mature, I'm not mature. Uh, that's obvious. But I want you to hang in because it's actually calling us somewhere. Um, well, let me show you what it's referring to. It says, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. What's the view? We find out in just a couple of verses before it, verse 13 and 14, where we read this, brothers and sisters... I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And then we get the verse, all of us then who are mature should take that view, such that view of things. The view is we're not there yet, but we're not giving up. That's the view. The view is there is a direction Jesus is calling us and it is heavenward and that's where I'm going. That's the view. That is the mature view. I'm not there yet, but I am pressing on. There are obviously a ton of ways that we can look at our lives. Paul, in this scripture, I think would refer to many of them as an immature way of looking at life an immature view. But the mature view is striving. The mature view is pushing forward, pressing on toward the goal to win a prize in a heavenward direction because that's where Jesus is calling us. He goes on to say, verse 17, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as, as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. He says their destiny, those who live as enemies of the cross of Christ, their destiny is destruction. Their God 
is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. So much of this study that we've been in has been about a mindset. And Paul has says, there are many whose mind is not on the heavenward calling that Jesus is calling to us in. He says, their God is their stomachs. Their mind is set on what they want, what they hunger for. But, verse 20 says, our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me read that again. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ. I don't know if your mom ever had to go full name on you. What I mean by that is sometimes a mom or maybe a grandma has to, in drastic times, resort to drastic measures and actually use the first, the middle, and the last name of their kid. This is a a moment uh, not just to pay attention, but maybe to like, you know, duck for cover. So if, if the full name is used. For me, this would sound like Jacob Clark Armstrong. That's my full name. That has a different ring to it than Jake, you know, or something else that might be used in a different time. So if your mom uses like your first and last, Jacob Armstrong, you pay attention. If, if, if they go full name, Jacob Clark Armstrong, this is a very important moment in your life that you do not want to miss. It's a drastic measure. It's a high holy moment when moms need you to snap back into a mindset and remember what, who you are, what your name is, the whole thing, all of it, everything that was given to you from the first, I'm <laughs> including the middle, which we'd rather get to, and last name. Parents spend years pouring into their kids an affection and a connection Parents spend uh, a lifetime trying to imbue their kids with uh, this value that comes because of who they are and because of their connection to the family name and the family lineage. And sometimes all a parent has is a moment to bring them back, and so they have to go full name. (laughs) I don't know why. I'm trusting it's the Holy Spirit. We (laughs) We can determine if that's true or not in a minute. But as I read this scripture this week, I felt like it was a full name moment for the people who call themselves Christ followers. So Paul says, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters. He says, brothers and sisters, two times almost in one breath. He says, brothers and sisters, and then he admits to the people he's writing to that he's actually crying while he is writing this, like a mom who really loves her boy and really needs him to listen. But that's not the moment of the full name (laughs) thing that Paul is doing. I don't think the full description of who we are, Paul says, he calls us citizens of heaven. In this moment of a a pastor who loves his church, like a father who loves his children, he kind of has to get drastic. This citizens of heaven is not a reminder we need all the time. We don't always have to be thinking about that we are going to heaven or that we're secure in heaven. In fact, I've heard it said that we can be so heavenly minded sometimes that we can be no earthly good. But in times when our identity is not secure, 
and our belonging maybe is not reinforced, even though it's been given to us for years. Paul says in tears, I think drastically, he calls the church and he says, citizens of heaven, listen. I want to share with you something I've been thinking about lately. It's going to be the basis for a sermon series in a couple of months. Uh, So for those of you who keep uh, joining us here at Providence in late October, early November, when we're getting really close to the, uh, the election, um, we're going to be talking about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I think it will be a really important time to remember what, I, what our key identity is. And so what I'm going to share with you now is just sort of a sneak peek. Uh, I've been working on this. We'll see uh, how it goes. But this will be kind of the form for the whole sermon series as we are in a time where our nation is gearing up in a very specific and as we sense now a very volatile way. So here's a part of it. Uh, knowing where you belong So we might call that our identity, Knowing where you belong, your identity, affects how you think about yourself. I'm calling that allegiance because allegiance is is what you give yourself to, but it's how you see yourself in relation to something else. So knowing where you belong obviously affects how you're going to think about yourself, which then changes how you act. It, 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 It gives you your key motivation, your allegiance changes everything about your actions, that is motivation, and then subsequently what you're willing to give up. So our identity, who we are, affects our allegiances, which of course changes our motivations, and then gets to the real core question of the matter, and that is what am I going to give my life to? What am I going to sacrifice? So knowing where you belong, Jacob Clark Armstrong, citizen of heaven, Knowing who you are affects how you think about yourself, how you're going to act, and what you will give up. Most often when we think about citizenship, we think about citizenship as it relates to our country, as we should. It's the more common use of the word citizen, our nationality. Completely appropriate. There are rights and privileges that go with national citizenship. Paul, though, here in Philippians is not diving into the rights of citizens of that day. Paul himself was a citizen of Rome. It was something that was important to him. Paul talked about it. He told people he was a citizen of Rome right up until his death. There were actually implications to his nationality, just like there are implications to ours. His Roman citizenship impacted his life. But in this moment, that's what I want you to see. In this moment, he's trying to get the attention of the Christian, and he calls them citizen of heaven, like full name stuff, to call them back to a key and a core identity that affects our true allegiance, our, our, our pure motivations, and what we'll give ourselves to. What Paul is doing is trying to get the folks, you know, that he's working with, his, his people, to stop thinking immaturely and realize they have a higher calling in their life than what they can just see out in front of them. That's what a mom is doing with the full name. She's saying, my daughter, rise up. My child, remember who you really are, what you're really connected to, what's been poured into you since before you were born. Paul says, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. We already went over this, but I'll I'll give you some handholds here. The view again, the mature realize they have not yet arrived. So the mature realize they've not yet made it. That is actually a mature view to say, I'm not there yet. The mature realize they have not 
yet arrived. So we would think uh, those who've, who've made it and who've got it down are the mature, but no, it's actually the ones who think, I've got a ways to go, I don't have it all down. The mature also realize that they have a goal. That's what the scripture tells us. The mature realize they have a goal. Maturity is realizing that you're not floundering. Because of who you are and your allegiances, that's what motivates you. You have an ideal, a higher calling. So the mature realize they have a goal in life. And the mature strain toward what is ahead. The mature press on, the scripture says, toward the goal. The immature, I don't know, uh, grumble, gossip, complain, blame, spin around in circles, don't know where they're going. The mature say, yeah, I'm not there yet, but I have a heavenward calling. So it's Monday morning, here we go. I'm straining ahead. I'm straining forward. Most of us know that the struggle with maturity is real. And thankfully, the Bible gives us some super practical advice about how to move towards maturity. That's why I told you at the beginning, if you're like checking out saying, I'm not mature, this is a scripture that's calling us forward and actually telling us how we can get there. So listen to what Paul says. He says, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, sort of this community of, of, of Christ followers, just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Guys, one of the best ways, if not the best way, to move towards maturity is to follow the example of the mature. Paul's not bragging here. He's just told them, I'm not there yet. But he is saying, I am further down the pike than you. So watch me. I remember this time I was 18 or so. I was riding in the car with my dad and um, we were talking about money, 18. What dad doesn't know is that in my mind, I am already saving up money to buy a ring for a girl who has stolen my heart, 18 years old. These are mature goals, but I am immature. And so we're talking about money and dad says, uh, uh, he says, you should set the goal right now to give 10% of your income to the church. And he said, and to save 10% of your money. He said, if you do that right now, you will never have to worry about money. That is a high ideal. I was not doing either one of those things. But here's what I did. I decided that I would try to follow my dad's counsel and example. So I just started doing it, what he advised. About two years later, I bought a diamond ring at Zales at Hickory Hollow Mall. <laughs> and Rachel and I started our journey together. And we decided that we would give 10% of our income to the church. And we have not hit that saving mark every month, but strained towards the goals that were given to me uh, as a young man, put out before us. And we have now lived in the blessing of heeding and seeking wise counsel. One of the best ways to mature is to act mature. Not fake it till you make it. I'm talking about something different, okay? But to ask, what do mature people do? I will start doing those things. That's actually maturity. <laughs> what do mature people do? I will start doing those things. So mature people don't spend all their Friday paycheck before Monday morning? Okay, check. 
And we learn these, the only way we learn stuff is from other people. Paul's saying, look at my example. You need to have someone up ahead of you. And he's with humility saying, I'm willing to be that person. I'm not there yet, but I'm straining forward. And so as the body of Christ, as the church, let's try to do this together. So young people, if you're like, I want a strong Christian marriage, we'll look to someone ahead of you who has a strong Christian marriage. They will tell you quickly, they aren't perfect. It's not as good as it looks, but you need someone to look to. If you're in a new profession, find someone ahead of you who is mature in Christ and begin to talk to them and ask them questions. I have people in my life who are up ahead of me, who I look to, who I listen to, and who I let speak over my life. Last Sunday was our first Sunday of in-person worship back here at Providence. It was a great Sunday. But beforehand, I asked three people to pray over me before each service on the phone. These are some people who I, who I model uh, my life after in different ways. The first person who prayed after me was a guy named Pastor Tom. Pastor Tom was a pastor for like a million years, and he has the Spirit of God all over him. There's very few things that I walk through as a pastor that he hasn't already walked through. And so before the eight o'clock service, he prayed over me and he said, I pray that the spirit will be from the top of your head to the bottoms of your feet. And I felt that and I claimed that in that moment. Before the next service, I had Liz Reese pray over me. Some of you know Liz. She was on our Wednesday night prayer time. She is ahead of me in her prayer life. She's ahead of me in her prayer life. And so I asked her to pray over me. Uh, Before the last service, I called Lieutenant Colonel Jim Ridings. Jim and his wife, Sheila, are members of the church here. They have daughters who are about five to 10 years older than my daughters. And so for years, Rachel and I lean on them to learn how to parent Christian daughters. Jim called me, or called him before the 1045 service. He prayed over me. He spoke truth over me. I let those words sink into me. We mature by letting mature people speak over us. You may think, I don't have that in my life. Well, You have to seek it intentionally. Mature people aren't out there just looking for people to kind of help out, but mature people will respond when you ask them in humility, can I model after you? Can you teach me? Can I learn from you? And so you will not know how to behave in a Christian marriage or as a Christian business person or as a Christian friend without looking to someone else. And that's that's the key that Paul has given here, and that's how we mature. This, what I'm talking about, is all about a mindset. So the immature have an earthly mindset. Their God is their stomach, Paul says. He's just saying they go after their own thing. They don't end up sacrificing like we see the the end part of a disciple. They end up thinking their life is all about them. So the immature have an earthly mindset. They only see what's down here. But the mature know their citizenship is in heaven. They're not focused on their stomach or their own gain. They have a goal. That is heaven. And they live their life just kind of pushing forward towards the goal for which Jesus is calling them heavenward. The lifeline for us today in the scripture is actually citizenship in heaven. Identity in Jesus. Allegiance to Jesus. Motivation because of Jesus. Sacrifice for Jesus. The life of a disciple. Identity in Jesus, allegiance to Jesus, motivation because of Jesus, and sacrifice for Jesus. That's a mature mindset, and it only comes by knowing who you really are and where you really live. And yes, sometimes 
We need someone to say our full name (laughs) to call us out of immaturity. And that's what the Word of God is doing here. It's not an action that I'm going to take this morning, but it is something that you could allow God's Word to do in your life. Brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, you're citizens of heaven. And so implicit in that is act like it. That's sort of the, that's like maturity 101. This is who you are. Act like it. You're citizens of heaven. You have a goal that is heavenward. This is the word of God. Let it speak to you, brothers and sisters. You're citizens of heaven. Sometimes in the midst of life, you will hear your full name called, not by your mom, but by, um, by someone who's suffering, um, by what's going on in the world, by the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Sometimes in the midst of life, you'll just actually hear your full name called and you're kind of called back. It happened to me again this week. I heard it in hearing the name uh, with the shooting of Jacob Blake in Wisconsin. Not because we share the same name, because we share the same blood, because we share the same God. And so a shooting like this of a, a black man by the police can be politicized and is politicized in numerous ways. I'm asking you today as your pastor, do we hear the outcry of our sisters and brothers in our church, in our community, in our nation, the ones who have black and brown skin who are saying, notice our affliction? I'm not asking you to politicize, and I'm asking you to hear the voice of God's people. And when we hear God's children crying out, our reaction should not be to align on a side. Instead, it should be a moment that we hear our full names being called citizens of heaven. What are we going to do? You see, our citizenship in heaven has real life ramifications for right now. Don't miss that Paul was crying when he wrote this. When he says, remember where you belong, When he says, many are the enemies of the cross. When he says, look to my example, he's crying. Because like a parent, he loves them so much, he won't let them live like anything less than who God says they are. That's why your mama calls your full name. No, sir, she says. No, ma'am. This is who you are. So if you are low today, if you have forgotten where you belong, let the word of God call you up today by hearing who you really are. You're a citizen of heaven with a heavenward pull on your life, a goal and a prize that's been set before you that you won't get there without straining forward today. Maybe all we can do today is strain, but we are going to strain forward. And if we need saving, as our world does, the scripture tells us that we eagerly await a savior from there. So if we eagerly await a savior from any other place, we're not living by God's holy word. And the mature have to make that decision. Am I going to live by God's holy word or not? So if we're eagerly awaiting a savior from any other place, we don't eagerly await a savior from our spouse. We do not eagerly await our child to be our savior someday. 
We do not eagerly await our pastor to be our savior. We do not eagerly await a savior in a November election. We cannot eagerly await a savior from any other place than heaven and pretend that it's Christian. That's immature thinking. Why? Our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see what the scripture is saying? We already know who's going to save us. We already know his name. We already know his full name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our citizenship is in heaven, and that should impact every part of our lives, who we are, who we give our allegiance to, our motivation, and what we're actually willing to give up. And so that is why we sing praise to God, because we're not stuck in this time. We're not stuck in this moment. We are instead going to where Jesus is calling us. We're moving heavenward. We're going to sing together the doxology. Uh, It's a song that we're singing at the end of our in-person worship, and we'll be singing here on online worship. It's a way for us as a church to be connected. An ancient song of praise that Christians have sung in any and every time. And so let this be your prayer uh, as we close worship this morning, that you would praise God from whom all blessings flow, that you would praise the Father and praise the Son and praise the Spirit, that it would actually be the way that you are straining forward today, moving forward in this moment, keeping your eyes fixed on the goal and realizing that your citizenship in heaven is gonna have real life implications for who you love, who you listen to, where you go, and what you do. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.